There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. This is Raja again from Melbourne, Australia. And welcome to episode 10. When I started this podcast channel, my aim was to create a 10-episode series whereby anyone can use it as a blueprint to apply basic principles and concepts of personal finance in their own lives. So here we are in the 10th episode, and I think this will be one of the last when it comes to basic principles and concepts. Hope you've enjoyed this series. In the future, I hope to do more episodes, more specific about some personal finance topics, saving for retirement and investing for the future. In this episode, I want to talk about the number one indicator of people who retire wealthy talk a little bit about some geeky economic theories and the concept of asset allocation. What is it and how can you achieve the same wealth factor of some of the wealthiest people in the world, if not Australia? It would appear that the number one indicator of people who retire wealthy is actually pretty basic, and I think you'll be surprised to learn about it. As usual, though, let's recap what we've learned so far. In episode one, we discussed the power of saving, the power of compounding, the concept of paying yourself first, and I use the 20% as a rule. Your percentage might differ based on your circumstances. In podcast two, it was all about mortgages and the basic tips and tricks if you're in the market for a new home or want to refinance your existing mortgage. In episode three, it was a lighthearted discussion about some of my favorite personal finance personalities who I listen to routinely and where I get my principles from. In episode four, it was all about where you can put your pay yourself money, your 20%. Where can you invest your 20%? In episode five, it was all about protecting yourself, your family, and your assets. I discussed the common personal insurance plans out there, what they mean, and what are some of the pitfalls you need to consider. In episode six, it was all about the investment fees, which you're paying right now, and you probably don't even know about it. In episode 7, it was all about various strategies to pay off debt, and we discussed the concept of money and how we should think about money. It will change your perspective on money. If you haven't listened to that particular episode, I'm sure it's worthwhile you'll listen. In episode 8, it was about various budgeting strategies and why it's important to have a helicopter view of your budget. What does helicopter view actually mean? In episode 9, it was the main differences between an active investor and a passive investor. I discussed the pros and cons and some of the evidence related to those types of investing techniques. So, what is the number one indicator of people who retire wealthy? It's actually having a written retirement plan. The Schwab Report, which is owned by Charles Schwab, in 2017 concluded that people who had a written retirement plan were 60% more likely to contribute to their retirement account. This is a US study, but given our financial principles and demographics here in Australia are somewhat representative of the US, we can probably relate to this study. They were also twice as likely to stick to a monthly savings plan than anyone else. In other words, if you had a retirement plan that's written down, you're twice as likely to stick to a monthly savings plan 
And writing your retirement plan down is your number one indicator of creating wealth or becoming wealthy. A Wells Fargo study in 2017 also concluded that people who had written retirement plans were twice as likely to feel they had enough money for retirement than those who don't write their retirement plans down. Now, this all sounds very basic, but it's very important. Essentially, this shows that planning your life is more likely going to end up more fruitful financially than not planning your life. Who would have thought that planning was actually important? Here are some of the other things which are really important when it comes to retirement and retiring wealthy. A target savings rate. This is how much you stash away for your retirement. In my podcast episodes, I routinely talk about the 20% pay yourself concept. Essentially, this is what is deemed as a target savings rate. If you have a higher savings rate, such as 30 or 50%, then you're more likely to have a major impact on how comfortable you'll be in retirement and how much wealth you've actually created at the time of retirement. People like the Aussie Firebug, for example, if you read about his latest blog post, his savings rate is an incredible 60% the last financial year. That is a killer savings rate. Again, a basic concept, but one which many Australians and Americans, according to those studies, probably don't follow or don't realise the importance of. What if you can't save 20%? Well, if your circumstances mean you save less than 20% and you pay yourself that money, that's fine. Something is always better than nothing. But I found 20% savings rate is a good rate when it comes to planning for your retirement. Having a long-term investing strategy is also very, very important. I've talked about passive versus active investing, investing for 30 or 40 years at least, because it helps you write out the ups and downs of the various asset classes, and you're more likely to end up in front. Time in the market is more important than timing the market. I repeat, time in the market is more important than timing the market. I would recommend using the Vanguard's Investor Questionnaire, which you can Google, which goes through your accepted risk profile and comes up with a solution on what mix of investments you should have. This is when it comes to stocks or bonds. It doesn't take into account cash, forex, commodities or property. I did mine recently and it basically said I should practically put all of my money into stocks, which I'm already doing. Part of investing for the long term is ensuring your fees are minimal as possible. I've discussed about this in detail when I've compared Joe Blocks to Jenny Not Blogs and used examples on how much fees can negatively impact on your retirement nesting. If you haven't listened to that podcast episode, it's called Fees, Fees, Fees. It's definitely worthwhile listening to. The other concept about retiring wealthy, in addition to your target savings rate and in addition to having a retirement plan that's written down, is a rate of return. Now, it goes without saying, if you save a lot of money and that money is invested and that investment returns a high rate, then you're more likely to end up with more money. That sounds pretty basic, but also very important to know. So in summary, the number one indicator of people who retire wealthy is that they have a written retirement plan. Part of retiring wealthy is also looking at your savings rate, that is how much you pay yourself first, having a long-term investment strategy, making sure you pay as little fees as possible, and looking at your rate of return. So, your rate of return must be optimal for the risk you're willing to take. And this brings me to the next topic of something called the efficient frontier. I'm sorry, but it's going to get a little geeky from here on in, so please bear with me. It's really relevant to personal finance. 
Now, what is the efficient frontier? Basically, it kind of relates to the guy called Harry Markowitz, who came up with the modern portfolio theory in 1952 and subsequently won a Nobel Prize for it. You can Google it and read all about it if you're really into geeky stuff. Basically, what it is, is it's a mathematical framework for assembling a portfolio of investments such that the expected rate of return is maximised for a given level of risk. Did you get all that? It's a mathematical framework for assembling a portfolio of investments such that the expected rate of return is maximised for a given level of risk. Now, the efficient frontier, and again, Google that as well. You get a graph and watch the Investopedia video on this topic. It's absolutely brilliant. Is a graph which kind of looks like a bullet, often called the Markowitz bullet. It has two axes. The vertical axis is a rate of return, and the horizontal axis is a risk tolerance. The frontier is the line curve that this produces. Basically, the most optimal portfolio should lie somewhere along this line curve. Anything that lies below this line curve means it's not ideal. That is, for the same level of risk, you could be achieving a much better return. Technically, this means any portfolio above this curve is impossible. So how is this relevant to you? Well, if you're in your 20s, you probably are happy to accept a higher risk tolerance with the hope of getting a higher return, which means you don't mind owning a basket of assets towards the right of the graph. Now, at this stage, I really am interested in you pulling up Google and bringing up this graph while you listen to this podcast. Whilst if you're closer to retirement, you want to own a basket of assets with lower risk and accept a lower return, which means you're more towards the left of the curve. In other words, if you're more towards the left of the curve, you've got lower risk and lower returns. And if you're more towards the right of the curve, you've got higher risk, but it means you're potentially getting higher returns. So notice the curve, though, is like a bullet. So the closer you are to the left, the less the risk, but at times it can actually achieve a higher return for a given level of risk. So getting closest to the line is the aim of the game. So basically, all those financial wizards out there are trying to create a basket of assets which are as close to the efficient frontier line as possible. It's as simple as that. Now then your job as an investor is to work out how much you're willing to pay for this, which I've already explained, pay as little as you can to reap the most benefits. I'm talking about fees here. We're almost to the end of this podcast. It's a relatively short podcast, but I hope I haven't geeked you all out by this time. But there is one other concept which I'd like to talk about, and that is asset allocation and rebalancing. It's mightily, mightily important. So what is asset allocation? This relates to the modern portfolio theory, an efficient frontier already. But essentially, the aim of the game is to identify your risk tolerance and pick your asset classes where you allocate your money to. So here's a you know uh, experiment that I want you to do tonight after listening to this podcast. Log into your super, and I'm confident you're already doing this. For example, in your superannuation investing strategy or portfolio, you might be invested in something called the core pool. If you investigate this further by clicking on what type of assets are involved in the core pool, you'll see this pool actually is invested in a range of asset classes. For example, in my super, I've invested in Aussie shares, international shares, direct property, global credit, private equity, cash, infrastructure, and a range of other asset classes. 
So as you move on in age, you might want to pick and choose which asset class best describes your risk tolerance. As as you age and getting closer to retirement, you want to pick asset classes that are relatively stable. If you're young, you want to pick asset classes that are more risky because the return is higher. So there are a range of asset allocation strategies, which I'm not going to go into detail. It's worth Googling asset allocation strategies if you're really into this sort of thing. But the most important thing in asset allocation is you need to look into it on a yearly basis. Let me explain this with an example, a personal example of mine. Personally, I'll look at my financial at least once a year. Now, it's just become the end of the financial year, so I'm looking at it all over again. And that goes to show also I look into my personal insurances, I look into my car insurance, I look into my home insurance, my building and contents insurance. So basically, once a year, I look into all of this to try and get the best deal possible. Of course, I'm also looking at the mortgage as well to make sure that I keep my bank in check as well. So every year, I look at my financials at least once a year and look at where my money is invested in. Right now, I have property, a range of shares, superannuation, personal insurance policies, which is technically not an investment, but I'll put it in there, cash, index funds, etc., etc. So every year, I look at it and see if I've overweighted in any particular asset class. So most Australians might actually be very heavily weighted into their personal property because most Australians... The aim is to buy a house, so 100% of their wealth might be located in their personal property uh, property, and not other assets, so it's really important to know that. Now, the act of rebalancing, though, is to make sure you try and weigh your assets accordingly, but here is the kicker. It's important to look at risk as well when rebalancing. Now, here's an example. Suppose you have a million dollars in assets. That's a lot of money. $500,000 in your own property, which is fully paid off and $500,000 in other asset classes such as cash, shares, bonds, and super. One way of allocating this latter $500,000 is to say, well, I have four asset classes in addition to property, so I'll invest $125,000 into each asset class and be done with it. This is weighting it according to value. But what you're not taking into account is a risk associated with each asset class. Ray Dalio talks about it beautifully, and he calls it the all-weather portfolio. For example, cash is way less riskier than stocks, and bonds is more riskier than cash. Therefore, if stocks are more riskier than bonds and cash, why would you invest $125,000 into stocks as well as $125,000 into cash? They say stocks are three times more riskier compared to cash and bonds, So shouldn't you be investing three times more in bonds and cash when compared to stocks? This is called asset allocation according to risk or risk parity asset allocation. It's worthwhile Googling asset allocation strategies. This is just one strategy that's out there. So every year you sit down, you take personal time, look at your financial health and work out where you might have had your assets weighted more and where you can put your money into There are advisors out there, some of them called robo-advisors, which may do this for you automatically when it comes to your stock portfolio, but you need to actively think about it every year. This is called the act of rebalancing, and you can rebalance based on weightage, you can rebalance based on risk, and maybe a bit of both. And again, there's various asset allocation strategies when it comes to rebalancing. So, to summarize, in this podcast, we've discussed quite a lot. We've discussed that having a written retirement plan is very, very important and means you're more likely to retire wealthy. That is what the evidence shows. Out of that, you need to think about savings rate, target return, 
and what fees you're willing to pay for your target returns. I've talked about this and the impact of compounding, um, which has a huge impact on your retirement nesting. We touched on the modern portfolio theory and we totally geeked out on the efficient frontier. Once you understand this graph, you will understand one of the key fundamentals of risk tolerance and rate of return. And lastly, we talked a little bit about the important step of looking at your financial health every year, at least once, and then rebalancing your portfolio. This is not dissimilar to going to the doctor and getting a once-a-year health check, which I definitely recommend, by the way. So planning, prevention, detection, and treatment early is a key to success in health, and this is no different to financial health. So here we are, almost finishing episode 10. It should give you 10 episodes to perhaps listen over and over and again and apply the principles and concepts I talk about in your personal finances with the hope that one day, repetition, taking advantage of the concept of paying yourself and the power of compounding will make you very, very wealthy. Now, I strongly believe that planning, focusing and having a strategy for your finances is very, very important. Just like if you you know, want to plan a holiday, you want to plan it, you want to focus on your holiday and make sure that all aspects of your holiday are covered. I really hope you've enjoyed these episodes and I'll do more episodes in the future focusing on basic financial tips and tricks with the aim of financial education being the cornerstone of my podcasts. Till next time, pay yourself first, watch your fees, protect yourself and your assets and family, dream about the efficient frontier for you financial geeks out there and have a written retirement plan. Thanks for listening. This is Raja from Melbourne, Australia. Goodbye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.